Have you ever wanted to see for yourself what the Bible has to say? Well, you've come to the right place. Join me, Pastor Tom Marsis, and Vicar Aidan Boone as we explore the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, provide you with some landmarks and guideposts along the way. Welcome to Trek Through the Scriptures. Welcome to Trek Through the Scriptures, episode 42, Christ's Mission to the World. My name is Pastor Tom Marsis, Senior Pastor of Zion Lutheran Church. And I'm Vicar Aiden Moon. And with us today, we also have a former pastor of Zion Lutheran Church, Douglas Berglund, and we'll introduce you to him in just a moment. But this week, we're covering Acts chapters 7 through 20 as we dive into the heart, so to speak, of the book of Acts. As I mentioned, with us today is Pastor Douglas Berglund. He served Zion Lutheran Church for eight years, and uh, he is now serving the Lord in Wisconsin. And uh, Pastor Berglund, why don't you share with us a little bit what your ministry is in the state of Wisconsin? Well, thank you for having me uh, as a part of Trek Through the Scriptures. I treasure my time very much so at, at Zion. I'm at St. Peter's Lutheran in Lebanon, which is about halfway between Milwaukee and Madison. And so it's a small uh, farming community. And so, uh, but yet there's a whole lot that goes on uh, from the congregation here. And then we also have uh, uh, 4K through eight schools. So there's a great love for children and the noise and activity uh, that's there all the time. And so uh, the school here is 177 years old. And so it's kind of cool when you see uh, grandparents and great grandparents, they've gone to school there. Um, and then we also have a, a daycare uh, from uh, six weeks on up. And so uh, it's a busy place, um, a, a busy building and community. And so a tremendous opportunity uh, to care for families, to reach out into the community. And so while that's going on with the school, then uh, we also then, God allows us then to have a once a month uh, food distribution. And so... Uh, called Ruby's Pantry, where people get about two clothes basketfuls of food uh, for uh, $25. And so people drive over an hour uh, uh, to come and get the food. Uh, and so we do that once a month. And then probably the best of all, we have a 3,000-pound cookie sale uh, a couple weeks before Christmas. And Lebanon doesn't go halfway. So these aren't just your like cookie. <laughs> hey, the youth has a bake sale because we're selling them for funds to go to the youth gathering. No, this is uh, big time. I tried once to decorate one of the cutout cookies and they threw it in the recycle bin because it wasn't quality. Uh, so, <laughs> so I quickly learned where I fit in and what cookies I can help with and uh, not do. Uh, but, it, but it's a joy to be uh, here in Lebanon. Well, one of the things that Pastor Berglund was really involved with during his eight years here was our connection to the Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch. And now that he is no longer at Zion and serving as chaplain over at Western Plains here in Bismarck, uh, he has another role with Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch. So with that role at the Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch, I get to serve on the program board of directors, which means I get back to North Dakota uh, four times a year as it, the meetings rotate between uh, the three campuses. And it's 
so I get to see Pastor Marcus uh, a couple times. Uh, I get to see Pastor Jones a couple times as well uh, throughout the course of the year. But we're in, um, and so we get together uh, to meet. But in the off time, it's much more enjoyable to go into the cottages when they uh, it, you're able to go in there. It's much more enjoyable to sit in the classrooms uh, on the days that it works because then you get to see the ministry in action, um, and you get to see God doing His uh, his work in the ranch is a ministry like n no other. Well, while uh, our vicars are having that same opportunity as Pastor Berglund did when he was here, uh, Vicar Moon is also serving uh, for the last uh, 10 months. He's been working at Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch. And there's a little difference in that. Uh, maybe, uh, Vicar, why don't you fill in Pastor Berglund about some of the differences that you've added into the ministry over there since you've been there? Well, I had, we had an interesting experience because some of our, we actually went up in our hours this year. So we had more hours um, that Zion was providing. And uh, part of that, that was uh, kind of a helpful thing is that my wife, Naomi, was also able to uh, do some work over there as well. She's in training to be a, a deaconess. So she's doing her deaconess internship right now. And so she was doing quite a bit over there as well. Um, we had a baby, so that made things change a little bit, but she's been able to still do some some programming over there. So we've been able to lean into uh, working on things like the life development programming over there, um, kind of getting that to go a little bit better and more, more uh, be more motivated in that direction. And then also just building a lot of staff relationships. Um, we've started to uh, develop a pretty good relationship with the school and the school staff. Um, there's a lot of interest from them in... Uh, kind of engaging with the spiritual life stuff and they don't necessarily interact with spiritual life and chapel programming. Um, but so kind of finding some connection points with them, we've been praying in the school every Monday morning, um, which has been really great. It's been a good connection point, um, getting to hear from them about what their students are dealing with, what they're dealing with, and then lifting it all up to God in prayer. That's been a really great blessing, um, a good connection point. And I think laying some, some groundwork for, um, for Jason as he comes in, um, does the, the next, the next year of work. So we, uh, we've been doing that. We've been connecting a little bit with the staff as well, doing kind of a staff spiritual life. We have spiritual life programming on Tuesday afternoons for the residents. Um, but we've been doing before that we've been doing some, had a staff opportunity as well. Um, so that's been really good. And then also just sort of leaning into, um, liturgical worship that the church has is very participatory by nature and leaning into that even more with chapel. Um, lots of, chances for residents to pray and write down their prayers to, um, you know, the, the, we, we naturally have things like standing up, sitting down, uh, singing songs, all those kind of things, and really leaning into those aspects as well um, has been a good, uh, a big part of what I've worked on this year as well, as we've, we've continued to, to develop and learn and figure out what's next for what's going on over there. Well, we're really privileged here at Zion to have that connection of ministry with Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch. We've been involved with that ministry for many years, and so it's kind of special to have Pastor Berglund with us today uh, as he was so much a part of that ministry as well. Some of you may remember while Pastor Berglund was here, he did some international travel. He went to the Holy Land. He also did some work in the feet of Paul, a lot of it in Greece and Athens. And so we thought, why not have him then as part of our look at Acts as we get into maybe some of the places he can talk about some of the places he got to visit and describe with that. So we're going to dive right back into the book of Acts. 
Uh, it's called the Acts of the Apostles. Some people call it the Acts of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Some might even call it the, the history of the early Christian church, because really, as the church starts from Pentecost forward, uh, we see how the early church uh, moves on. Last week, uh, we had the early chapters of Acts. We saw uh, the uh, blessings of the Holy Spirit being laid upon the disciples um, after Jesus had ascended into heaven in the early days of the church. And now we're getting into the meat of that early days of the church. What was it like in Jerusalem? And really, that's where uh, Jesus had said, go out into all the world. We saw that in the first chapter of Acts. And yet that's not exactly what the disciples were doing. And so we find something new happening that God kind of gives them the nudge a little bit. And that's where uh, Stephen comes in. So, Pastor Berglund, what, what, what happened with uh, Stephen as we see here in these chapters 6 and 8 of, of Acts? So as you go through those chapters of 6 through 8, you get to see Stephen uh, being a man of God, a follower of God, and teaching and preaching. Um, but he runs into a culture which doesn't like it at all. Uh, you get to see Stephen there. He doesn't shy away, though. He doesn't go quiet. Um, but as a result, uh, it ends up in Stephen's death. Uh, and so Stephen, he's dragged out in front of the people. Uh, Stephen then, and, uh, he gets stoned to death. And there, at his uh, being stoned to death, you get Saul, who becomes Paul, giving the approval of it uh, and, and standing there and watching it happen. Yeah, it's interesting you have this this first section and the like you said pastor marsis there's not a whole lot of movement happening up until this point um the disciples are out and about they're preaching in jerusalem but they haven't really spread out very much and then this first initial persecution stephen is this first martyr of the church um this forces the community to scatter some which um, seems like maybe a bad thing. They're no longer going to be able to gather, be, to be together in Jerusalem, but it's actually um, a way that God uses to push them out into other places beyond just Jerusalem. And so the the community actually spreads more because of this initial persecution. Well, it's interesting because in that early chapter is Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And yet for the first several chapters, it's Jerusalem. It's almost not even Judea. It's uh, just Jerusalem. And and obviously, uh, Jesus came as Savior for the whole world. And so sometimes uh, God has to give us a little nudge to get us to go to work, so to speak, get out there, do the job. And the, the stoning of Stephen and the persecution of the early church kind of led to that being pushed out and saying, okay, now's the time to get out and get some work done. And really, as Pastor Berglund was telling us, we get introduced to Saul here in the stoning of Stephen. And uh, he is going to be really central to much of what we see in the rest of the book of Acts. Obviously, his name is going to be changed, but it's an amazing conversion uh, uh, ex example as uh, Saul is on the road to Damascus. He's going to be uh, persecuting the ch uh, Christians there, arrest them. And yet Jesus says, oh, I got another plan for you. And that plan starts as he gets near to Damascus and Jesus actually appears to him. So what exactly happened on the road to Damascus, Pastor? So as you get to see where Saul's going to Damascus, uh, you get to see where God gets his attention. And 
the message that Saul has been hearing over and over from Stephen earlier. Well, now God brings it front and center to him um, and knocks him off his horse, uh, his donkey, and gets his attention. And when God knocks him off the, the horse by the bright light, Saul knows right away who it is. Um, there's no questioning of, well, who are you? It, no, he goes, well, no. Uh, he, Saul knows it's God r- right away. Um which, as you look through through it, then uh, God says, "Saul, pretty much, I I have a job for you to do, and it's going to start. You're going to go to uh, a home, and there's a man named Ananias. He's going to come, and he's going to make it so you have your sight restored. Uh, but what I love about Saul here is that nobody is ever too far away from God." You know, nobody ever gets to the point in life where they're like, man, I've messed up or uh, uh, God can't use me. Well, God uses Saul, who becomes Paul, and in pretty amazing ways. And you get to see that as Paul writes Romans. Uh, you know, uh, nothing in all creation separates us from the love of God. And Saul gets to say, I've lived that. And as he's converted... As he's converted, one of the things we amazing see is that later he is called an apostle. And apostles really are trained by Jesus. But we see here that how can that be since Jesus has already ascended into heaven with Saul's conversion? Yeah, we see that. And, and Paul writes about this a little bit in his letters, too. There's this kind of time of training for him that he goes through after his conversion. Um, but he does interact with Jesus, the ascended and risen Jesus. Um, but he interacts with Jesus in this sort of mysterious way, not as uh, not as Jesus was walking around with his disciples in that 40 days. But he does have this um direct link to Christ that starts with this moment on the road to Damascus, but then goes on forward. And you made the point about, you know, Saul being an example of no one being too far gone. I think it's also worth looking at Ananias too, who is told by God, go to this persecutor of the church um, and talk to him. And then there's going to be a chance for more evangelism, speaking the word and baptism. And Ananias has to really go on trust that God will bring him through to the other side to say, yeah, you're going to go to talk to this, this not just this sort of ambiguous figure, but this figure who has outright been an enemy of God's church. Um, so that he has this image of bravery too, bravery and trust um, coming from what God has commanded him to do, that he goes forward to to talk to Saul, even though Saul is someone who was on his way to Damascus to kill Ananias and imprison all of the the Christians there. So that's a, another character in the story. And I think that what's interesting is Saul tends to be seen as, um, and and this is pretty, pretty much what we see in his letters in the rest of Acts, that he is really an apostle to the nations in the sense that he goes out. And the other apostles do too. They go all over the place. Um, but we get to kind of follow him through his journeys. And that's why this the second section of Acts from 8 to 12 is really about that movement from Jerusalem out, um, that it moves into Judea, into Samaria. And we see that this isn't just going to be a Jewish movement, um, but a movement that encompasses all nations, um, that goes out to all peoples. And we first see that too with with Peter um, interacting with this Roman centurion named Cornelius. And he has a vision that demonstrates that even, yes, yes, even the Gentiles are going to be brought into the kingdom. And uh, that's also true when we get into the church of Antioch. We start to see this 
the church centered in kind of a new place in Antioch rather than in Jerusalem, as uh, Jerusalem becomes a dangerous place for the Christians to be. Well, it's something very difficult for the church to transition and understand that God, Yahweh, is a God for all people, and understanding that there is this change in the new covenant that we have now uh, with Jesus' uh, death, his resurrection, and ascension. And it's hard for the church to change today, but it was also hard for the church to change then, uh, the way they ate, the way they worshiped. And uh, really, this example of Peter and Cornelius is very enlightening to show that the the promises are now for all people and that some of the, the the covenant is a new covenant and how they eat and live was to be different but yet the church of of uh the early church it was hard for them to accept some of those changes uh just like let's face it today sometimes the changes it's hard uh in style of worship or so forth it's sometimes harder uh to see that as you're reaching out to new peoples, to new areas, that it's it might be a little bit different as well. So we see now Saul changing his name to Paul. People didn't know exactly how to uh, deal with this uh, former persecutor of the church, and so Saul becomes Paul. And really, this is the New Testament Paul that we've come to know as the one on the missionary journeys. And some of that, as we get into that, is uh, some of what... Uh, Pastor Berglund, you got to do as you were out and about. You didn't get to all the places that Paul was at, but you got to be in some of the footsteps of where Paul was at. Right. And getting to see some of those places, it really brings it to life. Um, and you get to see how God sometimes intentionally sends Paul. He sends Ananias. He intentionally sends them into uncomfortable spots. Um, he sends us in the uncomfortable spots and it's easy to take the emotion out of the Bible and say, well, Ananias just got up and went and so, and so on. But no, Ananias had to be fighting that every step of the way. Um, and, but God places us in positions too, where we get to be his missionaries and we all know what it's like to be in those uncomfortable spots where we know we should say something. We know the door is open to witness and talk about Jesus or show Christ's love and care. But it's uncomfortable sometimes. Uh, but God intentionally brings us to those moments um, where we get to share uh, the, the gospel with anybody and everybody. And so when you're looking at uh, Paul going to Athens, um, he goes and that section there, they have temples to all kinds of different gods. Um, go and stand on or the, the mount where the Parthenon is. And you walk every couple of feet, and there's a false god, an image built to different false gods. And Athens, it's your well-educated uh, philosophical town. There's incredibly smart people. And as Paul's looking around, um, he does a nice job in his preaching, in teaching where he takes everyday objects. He just kind of looks around at his setting and he's looking around and he's going, oh, you have all these objects here. And then he notices an altar to an unknown God. And Paul just uses that um, statue to an unknown God as and bases his whole sermon on it. And he goes and says, well, let me tell you about this unknown God. And he enters into uh, the many false gods they have. He enters into that conversation, but that opens the door for him 
to now say, well, let me tell you about this unknown God, this true God in Jesus. And he, uh, the door is open and he enters into the conversation and he gets to talk about Jesus. And so with his witnessing, his mission work, again, just using everyday stuff, uh, but using that to open the door, uh, to, to tie faith to it and to talk about Jesus. You made the note about his sermon there, and I, I think it's really interesting to read the different sermons in the book of Acts because none of them are exactly the same. They all have the same message, but they are determined by their context. So the apostles, whether it's Peter early on or Paul later in the book, they're they're speaking to concrete real people in real places in in who have their own presuppositions and background and context. Um, it's not like they have a, an elevator speech that they've memorized and they're just sort of reading off. Um, each each one is different. And I think it's it's good for us to spend some time reading those and thinking about our own contexts and uh, how the gospel will be heard fresh and new in our own place and time. It's the same message, but it's communicated in lots of different ways for lots of different people. And I do think that that's a, a pretty pretty cool image of that contextualization of those things. And uh, that's, yeah, that's true whether, you know, they're talking in a synagogue or whether they're talking to the philosophical Greeks in Athens, um, they have, they're, they're using different baselines, they're talking in different ways. And I think that's, that's really helpful. And Paul really was a master communicator. And you can see that come through in, in these sermons and acts. Yeah, and you're exactly right, because when he's in Rome, then he'll bring out his Roman citizenship. And, uh -huh. you know, but here in Greece, he, he, he doesn't bring that up. One thing is, as you go through that, I think that's very helpful in the book of Acts, something like as we were when we were trekking through First and Second Kings, is to almost have a piece of paper to write out a timeline as to what cities he's at, what areas he's at. Because later, as we go through the New Testament and see the epistle letters that he writes, uh, you can connect it back then to the various uh, portions of Acts. Uh, Galatia is more like a state or a region, and he's at all these cities in uh, Galatia uh, in his first missionary journey. And then uh, later he writes the, uh, the letter to Galatia. It's really written to an area, not just a specific town. And I think to keep those straight, just like we tried to keep all the kings of the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom straight, rather confusing that it was, uh, it's the same thing with all the various places that Paul visits and are recorded in the book of Acts. So, because later as we get into his letters, oh yeah, that's where he was, or that's the church that he started. Um, he doesn't go to Rome until after he writes uh, the book of Romans. So he doesn't know the people that he's writing to, he just knows of them. Whereas when he wrote the book of Galatians or the letter to Galatia, he had been there. He had started the uh, congregations there. So he had a interesting relationship with them. And so it's, a, a, again, using a different writing style as you're reading it. So noting where he started churches and how long he was there will be helpful later as we get into the various books. One of the other things uh, that becomes very interesting, I think, as we look at this is how God uses different personalities. And uh, Paul definitely had his own personality, his own way of doing things, quite opposite from his original partner, Barnabas, uh, Barnabas, uh, whose name means son of consolation, was a little bit more of a peacemaker, so to speak, kind of individual. Paul was a no-nonsense kind of guy. And so if somebody messed up, uh, Paul was like, okay, see you later. And uh, we, so we see that personality as you use them. So there's different personalities as we're reading through uh, these sections, how 
Barnabas reacts to somebody, how Paul reacts to somebody, and uh, showing how God can use uh, different people in different places for his uh, same kingdom work. Just he uses us in the manner in which we're able to bring it to the church. And that's an example of when Pastor Berglund and I worked together. We each had our own personality, and yet God was able to use both here at Zion as he's now using him at St. Peter's. And uh, it's a little bit interesting uh, working with two pastors instead of one, isn't it, Pastor Berglund? It is. It's a, the, there is great joy in team ministry um, because you get to do a whole lot more. You do your part of the pie, and there's a whole lot more that gets done. Um, and you get to, in team ministry, work uh together with someone right across the hallway um, it, it, with that. Yeah. When you're by yourself in soul ministry, um, there's, it's, there's, there's joy in it, but it's different. Um, and so, and even though being in the soul ministry, wherever God calls the individual to, to lead, uh, he leads them, but I would also say then wherever God calls not only pastors to go, um, or he calls vicars, or he calls anybody, um, he doesn't leave them on islands. Um, not only there is God with them, but he encourages, like here, the disciples, they go out two by two. When you see uh, Paul go to towns, one of the very first things he does is he goes to the synagogue and he meets fellow, fellow Christians there. Uh, so he's not going isolated. He's not going on his own, uh, but he's getting connected uh, with Christian brothers and sisters in Christ. And with that, it's kind of cool when you go to Ephesus. Um, they have engraved in the, the sidewalk, if you will. Uh, it looks like a piece of pie. Uh, and that is how they could tell where the, the Christian's home was because some of the Christians at different times were being persecuted. And so the Christians, uh, sometimes they would uh, highlight uh, uh, from that pie and make the sign of the cross. Sometimes they'd make the ichthys, the, the Christian fish. Uh, and so when you were new to town, um, you could follow that sign and that would get you to the Christian's home. Now, because the Christians were being persecuted, they had to keep changing up the signs and moving them around town uh, so that uh, the church could still survive there. Um, but yet, even there in Ephesus and uh, all the other towns, Paul going to the, the synagogue, one of the very first things he would do, meet up with the Christians there and work together with the, the church in that local community. Well, one of the interesting things in this uh, section we have as well, as we've been talking about spreading out the world, is this uh, first uh, council, so to speak, of the church, a gathering of the leaders. And uh, it was a challenge because now, as the church was moving out from just being Jewish-based, uh, bringing Gentiles in, what did that mean? How did they do it? And it led to a little bit of conflict uh, in the early church. And there, there was some confusion as to who and how someone would become a member of the church. And that was really discussed at, at uh, Jerusalem. And what's interesting is how both Paul and Peter react a little bit different. Yeah, well, this is sometimes there's this kind of idyllic, like kind of 
false image of the church in Acts, like, oh, if only we could get back there, everything would be so great. Then you actually read it and you realize that they were just as human as we are. And so they were just as prone to conflict. They had less uh, historical background and context, maybe to some of the inner Christian conflict, but they still had disagreements. Um, you can read about this in some of Paul's letters too. He'll he'll reference back to some of the disagreements that he had. Um, Paul was a big advocate, and the other apostles came around to this too, of recognizing that there is something different between the old covenant and the new, like you mentioned. Um, there's something different. And it actually, one of the big controversies that comes up is the necessity of circumcision. And uh, Paul We'll get to some of this later as we read in Paul's letters. Paul is a pretty big advocate for recognizing the distinction um, that that's not the mark of the Christian church. That's not the mark. In fact, um, there's a new there's a new mark, and that's the waters of baptism. Um, that is the the initiation into the Christian community, rather than the the mark of circumcision. So. That's just one example, but the, this council gets together to sort of hash some of these things out. What of the old covenant, what of the Torah, um, as far as commands and things, especially some of the kind of cultural stuff, like which of that is timeless and will continue to be applied and uh, will be asked of those who are becoming Christians, um, those from outside and what is not, which means that those who are, are, from the people of, of the Jews are going to be able to continue to follow those practices. It's not telling them that they can't, but they're not to demand that of the Gentiles that are coming into the church. So there is sort of this, uh, this transition and it does, it, it's, it's not, uh, not all always super clear cut. And that's why they have to sit down and talk about it as a council. And this is how the church deals with these things. Um, it sits down and talks them through. And sometimes that's, that goes really well. Sometimes there's some controversy and difficulty, but we shouldn't fool ourselves into thinking that that uh, disagreements and division are new because they were there right from the beginning. What's really interesting with that is that Peter, having been one of the early disciples and one of the apostles uh, who was with Jesus for three years, when they get together for this council, uh, Paul kind of calls him out for the way he's acting. Like, it's all right for him to eat with the Gentiles until he's together with the big group. And then all of a sudden, now he's backing off on, uh, now he's going to eat the kosher food, be eat like the rest of the Jews. And Paul says, wait a minute, you can't do that. And I, I always find it rather fascinating that Paul, the, the newer, so to speak, preacher of the group, calls out the older preacher of the group, Peter, and said, hey, you know, that's not the way we do it, you know. And so uh, just because Paul was the, newer evangelist, the newer uh, disciple, so to speak, didn't mean that he didn't have the opportunity of calling out Peter. So that, that's very interesting. Watch the interplay between Paul and Peter here, as we saw how God directed Peter when he was with the vision with and going towards Cornelius, and that how he understands it, but yet doesn't necessarily always practice it. And that that's a really interesting thing for us to realize that you know, the church wasn't always perfect and won't be perfect in this side of life because of our sins. And yet God's able to still use it for his purpose and his uh, direction as well. As we continue on through the trek, we're going to continue in the book of Acts uh, this coming week. And so we're going to see some more of the journeys of Paul. Uh, what's very interesting is we realize, as we mentioned last week, that uh, both 
the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts were written by the same author, uh, Luke the physician. And what's interesting is that there that some might think that there is even supposed to be a third book by Luke, but of course that's all speculation. But it's very interesting to see how uh, the book of Acts connects up to Paul's writings and as it uh, helps to like add meat to the bone, so to speak. Acts tells you chronologically what's happening and then you're able to fill in some of that with the various letters uh, that, that Paul wrote, whether he was in his first imprisonment, his second imprisonment, uh, writing out to the church as God continued uh, to use him as well. Well, we've been very privileged to have Pastor Berglund uh, with us today. You know, one of the things that uh, some of the people might not out there know that we are somewhat uh, related by marriage nowadays, uh, not like when you're here. And uh, my niece happened to marry one of the people that Douglas is related to. So who was that exactly? Yeah. So my brother, uh, a couple of years ago, took a call to be the pastor at Mount Calvary in Janesville. Uh, and so we're uh, pastor Marcia's uh, niece is at, and so uh, the two of them got married almost two years ago. Um, so, so yeah, I get to see pastor Marcia's niece every once in a while. So we're not really related, but we're kind of related. So there you go, uh, which is uh, an interesting thing that uh, obviously Pastor Berglund and I knew each other long before his brother David and my niece Molly ever met each other. My mo- uh, my niece uh, Molly is the DCE at the congregation. So not only are they married, but they work together uh, in ministry as well. And so uh, we ask the Lord's blessings upon that. But we're really uh, fortunate to have uh, Pastor Berglund with us today. Uh, if any of you out there are interested in contacting him, uh, we will ha- we do have uh, his church address. Uh, we'll be able to share that with you. Uh, but we really appreciate this and ask the Lord's blessings to be upon Pastor Berglund as he continues to work uh, in Wisconsin, as the Lord continues to use him for kingdom work. And uh, ask the Lord's blessings upon everyone as they continue their trek through the scriptures, reading through the book of Acts, as we continue to see the early church in action, as God continued to spread his message to the then known world and ultimately to Gentiles like you and me. Lord's blessings on your reading this week. Thanks for joining us on our Trek Through the Scriptures this week. This podcast is a ministry of Zion Lutheran Church in Bismarck, North Dakota. To contact us, learn more, or for more resources on our journey this year, please visit zionbismarck.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. This podcast was made possible by a grant from Lutheran Church Extension Fund. We thank them for their support. Please join me in prayer as we begin our new week. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time as we continue our exploration of God's story in the scriptures. God bless your reading this week.